Coming to you from the Eon Project Studios, overlooking the vast, pristine acreage of Primrose Village. Greetings from this hidden gem of the Blackstone Valley. You're listening to Experts of Nothing with Mike and Jay. Well, greetings, greetings once again here on the Eon Project. And you know, uh, last week we had a special guest uh, via the World Wide Web. That would be Brent from Indiana. Um, as we all know, because uh, Mike was absent last week, he had some issues that he had to take part in, take care of, so to speak. So today, uh, we have another very special guest, an in-studio guest, if you will. Um, one of the, 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 the most popular people that you would ever hear on the, on, the, on the airwaves today is here today. So I'm very excited about this. And uh, so um, he, he requires no introduction, so here he comes. Go ahead, say hi. Oh, hello! Hey! Mike is back! Hi, everybody! <laughs> oh, that was a, you, you threw me for a loop. I didn't know what you were doing there for You thought somebody was going to come out of the back? I thought somebody was here, and they were going to uh, ambush me. So how are you? I'm doing great. I, uh, uh, you know, uh, happy to be back. I want to thank Brent mm. for his uh, wonderful performance in my stead. Uh, am I worried that my position here on the program is going to be eliminated? No, <coughs> I am not worried about that. Um, obviously, a uh, wonderful effort put forth by Brent. There were some issues... Uh, you know, with his performance, I should say, um, a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of things that he could work on. Well, you know, he, he he's does... not a polished professional. No, no, not like us. You no. know, like he doesn't have years he and years of uh, speaking into a. You microphone. know, I love the effort, though. No, it's good. Good effort. Thanks, Brent. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm not worried about uh, about you. You don't think he's going to take over? Nah, I'm no, I'm okay. I think I'm all right. Oh well, that's good. Well, it's good. It's good to be back. You know, the the weather is turning. It's beautiful outside. The mm. weather is it, it's becoming warmer. All the snowpack is melting it's away. It's finally melting. It's warm today. It's yep. going to be in the 50s. Yes. And for us here in the uh, great northeast, that is tropical-like weather. Tropical weather. You know, actually, uh, speaking of <laughs> warm weather and, and hot and cold. Yes. On the way over here to the palatial studios, I came up with a, a, a reasonable argument against everyone's belief about the afterlife in the last five minutes. You just thought of that on your just way Just thought away. of it on the way over. You want to okay. hear something? I'm, I'm riveted. Okay. So the common... The common conce- conception mm. of of heaven and hell is that hell is incredibly hot, right? Sure. Fl- flames. It's like a burning it's, pit. It's, it's flaming. Flaming. Yes. Uh, it's it's a pit of burning d- misery. Despair. Yes. Wouldn't that stand to reason that the exact opposite, heaven would be freezing cold? So like heaven would be Antarctica. No, no. Yeah. No. They, yes. They make it pleasant. No. Then no. Then it's what's seventy cold? degrees all day every day? Then what's cold? Uh, you know what's 70 degrees every day is uh, San, San Diego. Yeah. Beautiful San Diego, California. Yeah, well, it's California. That's the problem. Yeah, it's in California. That's the only down, down the only downside. But yeah, I think heaven would be really cold. Well, I don't it's know. It's like polar bears wandering around. That doesn't sound like it would be any place I'd want to go. No, but the, if the, if hell is hot, then heaven has got to be cold. So you're you have to follow it, along. I man. got you. So the opposites. Opposite. You're playing the opposite. The opposite uh, game. I got you. So like the, yeah. uh, the, the Tao Chi or, or the yin and yang, if you mm-hmm. will. Gotcha. So today's program, we're going to tease the topic. Exciting program. We're going to talk about something that's uh, <laughs> it's been part of our lives for a very long time. Absolutely. And that's because, uh, well, to put it in a nutshell, we're going to talk about the music industry and hidden messages, backwards messages, mm-hmm. uh, things that are in music that may not appear on the surface and you might not know that's about. That's right. And how it relates to Satanism. That's right. And the occult. And the reason that this topic is near and dear to our hearts is because, and I don't know if, if we're going to talk about it later, I didn't prepare any notes specifically about it, but Jason and I, a lot of people know we've been friends for a very long time, and we went to Catholic school as young as youngsters. As we did. As, yes. 
And when we were in middle school, they, they used to call it, you know, they don't call it junior high anymore. It's not. They call the, it middle school. The grades changed here. We used to call it junior high. Right, because it was 7, 8, 9. Now, now it's, it's no longer 7, 8, it's middle. Six, it's 6, 7, 8. That's right. It's middle school. Yes. In any case. So we had a guy come in uh, to our, our, um, our middle school class and talk about Satan, Satanism and the music industry and, and why rock and roll music, especially metal music, was bad, you know, what was wrong with it and everything like that. And he had this elaborate presentation about... Actually, the pl- presentation was really good. It was. It was very, very well done. And I remember... It to, and this was, what, 30 years ago? Yeah. And I remember it very, very vividly. Um, and he, t- he, he broke down... And we're going to get into some of the specific bands that he spoke about. And his name was Joe Vieira. Oh, you do remember his name. His I was going to ask jo- you that. His name was Joe Vieira. I don't know what specifically he had as far as music industry experience or mm. where, what, what kind of role he had in... in in the in the music business, but supposedly he had all sorts of connections and he knew everyone in the music business. That's right. And his his uh, vocation in life was now to go around and teach how the devil was in all the music. And when you first started listening, and we were as young young people, what thirteen, fourteen at the time, and I remember thinking initially when he started talking about these things, this is amazing. Mm. This is incredible. I can't believe this music is, it's got the devil in it and everything. But by the end of his presentation, you started thinking the guy was an absolute nut bar <laughs> and he was making this crap up as you go because he started reaching for things. And That's right. Anyway, so we're so going to get into that. Yeah, we, we will get into that. And uh, we'll talk more about that later. And we'll talk more about his, his presentation and kind of mm. why he was there and why we had that, that uh, belief system back then when we were going to Catholic school. But yeah. in the meantime, before we do that, I have to tell you about a, a great new um, food invention that I came up with. Oh, I'd love to hear about it. So I'm, I'm putting this out there to the masses, and I expect everyone to try it, and don't anybody steal my idea because it's being recorded. <laughs> well, why are you putting it out Well, there? because I want people to know about it. And I want but, people but, to when it comes becomes popular, I want people to understand that I'm you, the one that invented it. So keep in mind that you, you, did, a, you did a copyright uh, uh, entry that's right and right now so don't even try to copy it. that's right it's so on, it's on its way to the patent so office. we all i think a good majority of the people enjoy meatballs oh i love meatballs i, love, I make my own meatballs. i do too i love making meatballs they're mm-hmm. such a versatile food yeah they're good for any occasion yep um you know you can make them with the red sauce you can make them with the gravy the white and brown gravy like uh, the, uh, the the swedish variety that's right you mm-hmm. can make them in uh, you can put them in a soup that could I mean, be appetizers or a main dish. Put a, stick a little toothpick in them. You can eat them that way. Yep. It could be on sandwiches. You can put different things in them. You can make turkey balls. You can do all kinds all of stuff. All sorts of ball meats. So I had the great idea uh, a few weeks ago Uh-oh. to create the two greatest loves of food in my life. One <laughs> being meatballs. The other being sloppy joes. Really? So here's Sloppy what you do. Joes, you make your normal... Which is basically a deconstructed meatball. That's right. You take your meatball, you make your meatball like you normally would, but yep. you mix in a little bit of the of the liquid Sloppy Joe mix. Okay, like Manwich? That's like right. Manwich? The Manwich. I'll plug Manwich because it's delicious. Manwich is delicious. I'll you mix that. that in with your, with your meatball mix. You create the sphere of meat, <laughs> and you cook it as you would cook it. Like, like, so, for example, this you would just be... just put it into the ingredients. This would be a good crockpot meal. Yeah, sure. So you stick your your uh, Sloppy Joe-infused meatballs into the crock pot, <laughs> yep. and then you pour more Sloppy Joe mix on top as a sauce, and you let it slow cook all day long. Okay. <laughs> it is delicious. <laughs> and I will say, I'm, I'm, I'm copywriting the name now. We're going to call it Sloppy Balls. Sloppy Balls. And they are absolutely delicious. So get go out there today. You know what? I really want to wrap my lips around one of your Sloppy Balls. Yes, you do. I think that that would be a good day. You do, and I'm telling you, it's going to be the greatest uh, meat experience of your life. 
Well, we you know what? Recently, we had a, another a, a ball food experience in the show. Right. We had the rum balls from addicted yes. rum balls in Texas from Jen. Which reminds me, I got to put another order in. Well, those those were good. Oh, delicious. Yeah, and and actually, you know what? I had distributed some to some other folk uh, around that same time, and they all had nothing but good things to say about Jen and her addicted balls. Oh. <laughs> You know, it's fun to say that word. It is fun. Okay. Anyway, should we jump into the topic today? Let's jump into it. So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, hidden messages in rock and roll, but why are they there? And the main component of this, or the conspiracy... Or if they're there at all. Right. Or the conspiracy would be that it's... Uh, these bands are influenced by Satan and Satanism. Yes. And they're trying to put uh, secret messages in on their album covers and in their music to influence young minds to turning to the forces of evil. Right. That's so, right. So we all love music, and music is obviously a big part of a lot of people's lives, but especially young people for some reason. And I think it's because um, music is an influence to young people, and people find uh, young people find... Um, kindred spirits within the music so like you, you and, and i think a lot of most people have that experience as especially as teenagers you know you find a genre of music that you enjoy or that resonates with you mm-hmm. and that it kind of stays with you for the rest of your life and you find that maybe the lyrics of these songs um you know have some sort of meaning in your life people people do that i've honestly that has never happened to me <laughs> okay I've I've never had a spiritual connection with any no. any any. Some uh, people take it a little too they far. They do, they do, and they they think, oh, this guy speaks to me. Is but you know, music. You know, you're a musician, and, and Brent's a musician, and we've had lots of musicians on the program. And music to me, and you please correct me if I'm wrong. It's a very personal thing when you're when you're creating music. I sure. don't create music, so I'm not I'm not an expert. But I know that when people create music, they write songs and they 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 write lyrics to songs. That's their that's their way to get their emotions out. Right. They're not necessarily meaning you to have the same type of emotion. Exactly. That's their emotion. That's, that's what they're thinking and feeling in the moment. Um, and, you know, and, and it's funny because it's funny you mentioned that because that goes right, right along the same lines. And just, just a quick aside. So the, the famous police song, Every Breath You Take, right? Mm-hmm. It goes down as one of the, they say, one of the greatest love songs of all time. People play it at their weddings. Is that a stalking song? It is. <laughs> It's 100% a stalking song. And Sting later admitted it years later really? that it was a, a breakup and he, he, he left his wife or an, uh, her friend or something like that. And he was stalking her or she was stalking him or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. And that's what the song is about. It's a creepy, stalky song. Well, you know, doing the research for this program that we're going to talk about today, the hidden messages and backwards messages and Satanism, stuff like that. But, you know, you, you read a lot about music lyrics and, and how they were formulated. And it, to me, it's fascinating to read where these lyrics, what they mean to the person who wrote them. Right. So, like, you could be un- operating the assumption for years that a song is about a certain thing, and then you hear the the artist actually who wrote it, and he says it's not that at all. It's about this, which right. is completely different. To me, that's hilarious. Right. These people invest all this time into it. So I think my, my fascination uh, with the hidden messages in music, it, it stems back to one of my, you know, a period in, in your life where you're the most influential, which would be your teenage years. And as sure. Mike had stated, we you know we we saw Mr. Vieira and his uh, satanic um, presentation, but at the same time, I myself and a, a lot of my friends were discovering music and we sure. were listening to actual records and we were, you know, analyzing every single album cover that you could come across right. to try to find uh, hidden messages in that. Yes, yeah. and but I don't even know if this is because nobody. Do you buy music anymore? Have you actually purchased music? Not uh, not recently. I haven't purchased music in years. But when you did purchase music. Pardon me. On, uh, you know, cassette tape or album, as you said before, they used to include the lyrics in the liner notes for a lot of them. Correct. And you used to be able to read the lyrics there. I don't know if they do that anymore. Or, you know, some bands did it and some mm. bands didn't. I always liked it to have the lyrics. Sure. You know, you can read with read along with it. But like you said, so this 
so we're going to get into some of the bands, especially in the in the 1970s and 80s. That's kind of the, the era that we're going to focus on. And, right. and I think I'm going to talk a little bit about today. And there are there are still supposedly messages in music, and uh, but it's not it's not nearly as prevalent or, or as, as uh, top of mind, if you will, of of people who are looking into this sort of thing as it was in the 70s and 80s. Right. I think one of the a couple of the early bands that started this. Uh, you know, satanic uh, imagery and music and lyrics was mm-hmm. a band called Coven and a bland, a band called British Black Widow. Ooh. Have you heard of them? No. Why don't you talk about yeah, that? Yeah, so they employed uh, uh, imagery of Satanism and, and witchcraft in, in their early works. Um, and, you know, obviously uh, they referred to Satan, also appeared, you know, in their in their lyrics and on their album covers and things like that. So they, I think they were the first two hmm. bands that really started doing this sort of what thing. What was that? What, what time frame was that? That was that? like the 60s and 70s. Oh, okay. So, early, so that would have been early. Yeah. Because before that, there was no... There was no overtly satanic music or, or witchcraft-related music or anything like that. Well, yeah, I mean, we're going to talk a little bit about when I uh, in a little bit about the Beatles and yeah. their early hidden messages, but it didn't really have anything to do with Satanism. Okay, so I'm going to talk about one that uh, it's it's actually pretty famous. If you start looking into famous uh, subliminal messages and backwards, and by subliminal we mean you know messages that are in music that are not overtly on there so right. like you'd have to listen to it either backwards or it's, it's very low or, or a hidden track stuff like that but one of the bands that shows up frequently and, and actually went on to some litigation would be judas priest are you familiar with judas priest oh yeah rob halford he's, rob uh, halford <clears throat> he's, uh, he's a leather wearing uh, screamer <laughs> he is yeah so judas priest was huge back in the 80s you know you weren't a legit uh metal guy unless you were a judas priest guy uh, back in the 80s and they frequently show up, as I said, when we're discussing uh, metal bands specifically that have hidden messages of songs. In fact, we're going to flash back to 1985. Remember oh, that year? What I were do. you doing in 1985? Oh, man, I was getting into Judas Priest. Yeah. Real good. So in 1985, two teenagers in Nevada were drinking and listening to Judas Priest albums. That sounds like a fun thing to it do. It does right? sound like fun in 85. Yeah, nothing, else, nothing much else to do. And when they suddenly decided that they needed to kill themselves. Oh. That was something that came up. They made a pact to do this? Yeah, so they went into a church playground. And they each shot themselves in the head with a shotgun. Okay. One died instantly. One managed to blow off most of his face, but didn't die. Well, he he uh, yeah he misfired. Yeah, he he probably flinched at the last moment or something like that, and and blew off his face, but he still he still lived. Sure. So one died. One had no face. But later, because he hadn't because he didn't die, he was able to to give an accounting of why they did what they did, which is actually kind of interesting to this case. Mm-hmm. So supposedly, he stated. That he was mes- they were mesmerized by alcohol and Judas Priest, both. Mm. Okay, so specifically the song "Beyond the Realms of Death" oh. they were listening to. Okay, when they supposedly received messages to kill themselves, uh, so they were in the middle of listening to the, this uh, marathon spree of albums when suddenly they they both got the message at the same time. You need to kill yourselves immediately. So they go out and they do this. Uh, the guy, it's it's actually interesting to note the guy who blew his face off but lived. He actually became a, uh, a born again Christian mm-hmm. right after that, mm-hmm. but then devolved into drugs, ended up dying of a drug overdose just a few years after. So okay. he didn't really turn his life around as as much as we probably would have hoped. So the families of the deceased people, these two guys, sued the band, stating that supposedly there were hidden messages in their songs, uh, and that these songs and the, well, obviously the, the legal um, the legal press um, precedent for this case would be they were saying that this was not protected free speech because it was not. And uh, it was words not, that you could hear. Right, it was not overtly in your face that That's you could right. understand and, and so decipher for be, yourself. Right. right, so it wouldn't be protected free speech. <clears throat> so a lawyer for the family, for the dead guys, added, Judas Priest and CBS pander this stuff to alienated teenagers. The major, the, excuse me, the me- this is a quote from this guy, it's actually pretty interesting. 
The members of the chess club, the math and science majors, don't listen to this stuff. It's the dropouts, the drug and alcohol abusers. So our argument is you have a duty to be more cautious when you're dealing with this population susceptible to this stuff. That's very uh, stereotypical. Sure it is. So only drug dealers or drug users and alcoholics uh, and losers listen to metal. This was this was actual court case. Sure. From, no, I, from I the believe 80s. it. I believe it. You know, you wouldn't hear that today, right? But that's pretty interesting. So this actually this case went to trial, and it went on for uh, quite some time. And Judas Priest had to had to wear uh, suits and everything, and they had to take their leather uh, studded garments off, oh, yeah, and put suits on and yep. actually go go into court every yep. day. Yep. Ultimately, the judge decided that the songs did in fact contain hidden messages, but they were only audible when electronically isolated. He also noted that science had not proven that the human mind can even decipher such messages or that they would have any type of influence on someone's behavior. Right. So the judge ruled that, yes, there are messages, but no, they couldn't influence. Well, it's not been proven that they can influence behavior. The, which, so the band, it's interesting to note, did deny that they put any messages. So th- th- they never admitted that they did it at all. Right. As a matter of fact, and this is a good point, the band's manager said that his clients never placed any such messages in their music. And if they did... They would have put messages that said, buy seven copies of this. They wouldn't have said, kill yourself, because why would they want their fans to kill themselves? That's right. You know, they want to be making money. That's what, that's the whole point of what they're doing. So the case ended up being dismissed. Okay. So that, that was an interesting, this was probably one of the first times that, if not the first time that it was actually made public and someone tried to hold a band accountable for using backwards messages. So it all, you know, it all goes back and stems back to the um, idea that, subliminal messages of any kind can influence the subconsciousness sure um and you know um you know companies uh, advertisers they do that sort of stuff all the time supposedly movie theaters uh during the course of a movie they'll quickly flash yeah. uh, a frame of like the concession stand or like hot dog, uh, hot dog or a soda <laughs> and you don't notice it your, your conscious mind doesn't notice it but your subconscious picks it up and then you get up and you go and you walk to the concession stand and spend ten thousand dollars on a box of juji fruits well supposedly they do that in casinos too where they they not only do they pump oxygen into casinos to keep you alert and awake, and so you can stay longer and gamble, but they also put scents in the air mm. that uh, entice you to certain scents entice you to do certain things, whether it's uh, keep drinking or eat something or gamble or whatever the case may be. You find that scents are a very important subliminal message that, that you can send somebody. As you well. know, there's a uh, there's a local casino uh, around here, mm-hmm. right next door to us. Yes, and uh, some of the the most degenerate people <laughs> of all time frequent this casino i just had to get that out there you know i've been to that casino my wife and i actually go on occasion and we're not big, that's my point we're not big gamblers or anything but you know what's funny to me and, and we've we've had this discussion many times you've been through you've been through casinos right and most most casinos are mostly slot machines now there's there's table games you know that's that's a big thing and everybody most of most of the real estate inside of a casino is is made up of slot machines and they're usually busy mm. You ever see the look on these people's faces when they're at a slot they machine? They sit there like zombies, dude. Zombies. Pressing buttons, uh, not having any fun at all. Nope. They're just sitting there, like, hitting the button. How, how is that attractive? They chain smoke. They'll, act, they'll actually uh, They'll actually soil themselves, themselves <laughs> because they don't want to leave the machine they're on. That actually happens. Anyway. I just... I, they must... And these people, you know, they're not like wealthy people. No, they're not winning at these machines. Oh no! So what? Do they just sit there all day and waste their their uh, their disability check on? Uh... You know, if I put twenty dollars in a machine and lost, oh, I it, would be sick. I'd want to climb to the tallest <laughs> light post in the parking lot and jump off. In any case, so we're going to talk a little bit more about some other bands from the uh, from the that era. That's exactly right. You know, there were a whole slew of them, uh, and especially as Mike said, going into the eighties, it became almost in vogue 
so to speak, when it came to these these particular metal bands. Right. You know, they 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 used the imagery, and it was all you know for shock factor, sure. shock value. Um, well, once they figured out that it would right that it would influence album sales, then everyone tries to start outdoing exactly, one exactly, and they knew that it would piss off the people in the suits and the parents and all that sort of stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of the bands, you know, going going back to the seventies, quick, but Black Sabbath oh, obviously yeah. used Black a lot Sabbath. of that imagery. But believe it or not, they were all most a lot of them were practicing Christians at the time, hmm. so th- they were had other reasons why they were using that that sort of imagery. Um, some of the popular bands of the eighties were Slayer, uh, Creator, Sodom. A uh, band called Destruction. Mm-hmm. We all know Iron Maiden and, and some of their imagery that they that they used at the time. Right. Dio. So you're talking okay. So you're talking about some of the bands that they used this imagery to sell records. That's right. However, uh, and and I'm not going to get into this in, in too much detail, but doing research for this program, and I obviously I've known about this, and I actually have some friends and had some friends mm-hmm. back in the day who yeah. were in, into black metal. You know, are you familiar with black oh, metal? Yes. Death metal. Yes. So the, during the during the 1980s, there were several uh, thrash and death metal bands that started to to uh, to form the prototype for black metal. This was, you know, this was, and if you've ever listened to black metal, you'll know it's mostly it's very very high speed uh, uh, guitar playing and and uh, uh, bass drum. I don't know what you would call that, the bass drum line. Yep. It's just boom, 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 yeah, like yeah. that. And then the, the lead singing consists mostly of guttural screaming and yelling, and you can't make out any of the any of the lyrics. But right. if you do happen to look at the lyrics, they're really disturbing. Sure. But some of those bands in black metal uh, started off would be Venom, Bathory, Merciful Fate, Hellhammer. That's mm. a good one, Hellhammer. And, and Celtic Frost. Yes. Back in the 90s, actually... It started the death metal thing started to explode specifically in Nor- Norway. The Norwegian death right. bands, uh, death metal bands such as um, Immortal, Burzrum, Dark Thorn, Dark Throne, mm. Satyricon, and Gorgoroth. So going back to Merciful Fate for a second. Yeah. So their lead singer was a guy by the he went by the name of King Diamond, and eventually he went out on his own. King Diamond did, but he took it to another level because he actually is a member of the Church of Satan. Well, that's what I was gonna say, and yeah. and and. and the black metal bands are not. We're not doing it to sell records, so to speak. That was their persona. Like mm. that was. They actually. They were true believers. They lived the lifestyle. They lived the lifestyle. And as a matter of fact, and I'm not, I'm not sure if you had much more to talk about those guys. But if you wanted to to learn more about the death metal uh, movement, there was a really good documentary made very uh, fairly recently, last within the last five years or so. I can't remember the name of it, unfortunately. But it was a a documentary where a filmmaker went behind the scenes. Um, and went on tour with these black metal bands throughout Europe. It is a weird freaking world, man, yeah. that these oh, yeah. guys inhabit. It's not. It's not pretend. Like they believe all this stuff, and they. they matter of fact, it was a uh, one of the one of the Norwegian bands, and and I can't remember the name of it. One of the members killed like two of the other members, or something like that, and some sort of sacrifice. Oh, that's and... that's taking it to another level. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. That's sure was committed. He's committed, you know. Yeah. But the black metal thing is not really what we're talking about today. This is that they're they're more overt in their right. Message. We're talking more about like mainstream um, right. artists that everybody's heard of. Yeah. Um, that put these messages in their in their songs. But what about? I got one for you. What about even before that? Before the seventies and eighties, mm. were there music? Uh, were there was there music that had messages in it maybe maybe not even subliminal messages but the tone of the music or the lyrics of the music were influencing people and i will tell you this go yes absolutely so we're gonna go back we're gonna go way back in the day to 1933 oh what were you doing in 1933 i was learning how to play the harpsichord and i was uh coming up with the idea to make sloppy balls the slot jay's sloppy balls yep 
We're going to go 1933 Vienna. You ever been to Vienna? I've never been to Vienna. I've had the sausage. <laughs> a teenage girl drowned herself while cu- clutching a sheet of a piece of sheet music. In Budapest, is it Budapest or Budapest? It's Budapest. Budapest, where we have borscht. A shopkeeper killed himself and left a note quoting lyrics from the same song. Oh. In London, a woman overdosed while listening to a record of the song over and over again. This what, is all the same song? All the same song. Oh, what am I talking about? I'm talking about a, a wonderful piece of Canon music. Canon in D. Called Gloomy Sunday. Have oh. you heard of this? No, but it sounds pretty good. I want to do a metal version of it. It's actually nicknamed the Hungarian suicide song <laughs> called Gloomy Sunday. A piece of music that connected all of these deaths. It's actually been linked to over 100 suicides over the years, including the man who composed it. Who composed it? A man by the name of Rezo Ceres. That's his problem. Yeah. He was living in Budapest. Isn't that a medication? Yeah. Rezo Cerestal? Cerest causes anal leakage. Yeah. Anyway, he was a composer. He composed a piece of music uh, inspired by a, a personal tragedy that, that had befallen him. Uh, and it was linked to a woman who left them, mm-hmm. which, you know, the, typically uh, I don't write songs, as I said before, but I think heartbreak drives people to write music and yes. things of that sort. So that's what happened to this guy. So he wrote a piece of music and later with the help of a poet friend of his, they added words to it. Mm-hmm. Some of the words I'm going to include. So here, here are the lyrics to the gloomy Sunday. It's a piece of string music. Ah, uh, I'm going to look it up after we. Uh, we're well, it's been reco- it's been re-recorded, and I can tell you a little bit about that. After. OK, so here are the lyrics to gloomy Sunday. Gloomy is Sunday, with shadows I spend it all. My heart and I have decided to end it all. Soon there'll be candles and prayers that are sad, I know. Let them not weep, let them know I'm glad to go. Death is no dream, for in death I'm caressing you. With the last breath of my soul, I'll be blessing you. Mm. That's uh, that's not very uh, nice. So he's basically saying if he if he kills himself, then he'll it's be not able a big to deal. be reunited with her. So the song became very very popular in Europe, despite the large number of suicides related to it. In fact, the songwriter the songwriter it, it actually became you know a hit before this was before you know uh, uh, radio and top forty and all yeah. this junk, but it became a hit, and it became so popular that the the songwriter supposedly went to go reconcile with his lover that had left him that originally inspired him to. Uh, now that he was now that he was successful, mm-hmm. tried to get back with her, only to find out that she had committed suicide with the song lyric sheet in her hand. He later jumped out of a window and killed himself. Now, well, let just, me finish up yeah, with okay, this, right. then you can then you can give me yeah. your opinion. So the song was actually banned in England mm-hmm. for a time, but it was re-recorded over the years. Actually, actually there's a contemporary re- uh, recording of this, and I forget who what uh, what singer did it, but it most famously, most successfully in the United States was was re-recorded by Billie Holiday, okay. the famous jazz singer sure. back in the day. So what do you think about all this? Well, I would have to say that the people that do this, anybody that that uh, that goes down the road of self-inflicted death, right. um, clearly, obviously, has some sort of issue to begin with. Sure. So do I believe that they can be influenced by something like that? I, I, I believe they can. I mean, But don't you think that they would have probably done it anyway or they would have found something else that would have inspired not, them to do that? Uh, well, I, I would agree with you on that. They, you know, Obviously, they were uh, standing on the precipice of, of doom mm-hmm. and you know, maybe just listening to this song was just enough to push them over the edge. But I don't know that, I don't know that, it would, that it's not possible for a song to have the ability to influence you to do it. Is, is what I'm saying. I no, think no. that they, either that thought was with you You have before, issues before that. Yeah, of course. And then 
maybe you, you decided that this is, well, that's it. That's the tipping point. You know, I listened to this program. That's right. But they, like you said, it would have been something else. That, like somebody that was really happy all the time. Like, yeah, they uh, probably wouldn't do that. Like Fred Rogers. If you listen to that all the time. You know, Fred Rogers was an interesting dude. You want to hear a funny story about Fred Rogers? Mr. I do. Mr. I, Rogers? I love that guy. His voice is so soothing. This is actually a true story at, right off the top of my head. We weren't planning on this at all. So supposedly back in the day, um, he was a very un, uh, unassuming man. Even he was very famous, but he was not you know ostentatious about his right. his his notoriety and his wealth and everything. And he drove like an older car. And supposedly he used to park his car right outside of his uh, uh, like he had a brownstone type thing. Mm. I don't forget what city he lived in. But in any case, someone stole his car oh. one day, and you know he filed a police report and everything like that. And it was on the news. You know, Mister Rogers' car was stolen. Two days later. The car showed back up in front of his house. Mm. He went out there to look at it and had a note that said, if we'd known it was yours, we wouldn't have taken it. Oh, so, so look at the influence he has on See people. that? He, you know what? The, the car thieves were, uh, you know, this is Mr. Rogers' car. We're going to go bring it back. So I really, as a child, I really did enjoy Mr. Rogers. But the only thing that I didn't like about it mm. was the land of make-believe. Yeah, it was scary. I didn't like that. <laughs> I don't like any kind of weird... Fantastical puppetry things. No, I don't either. I'm I don't like that. And uh, little creepy things coming out of the trees. I don't enjoy the yeah the little creatures. I hated that. I, about. I needed him to hurry up and get back to his neighborhood. I didn't like it. Here's yeah. one for you. Sure. There's actually a very famous internet rumor. You know, internet. If it's on the internet, it's true. Yeah. Did you know that? Uh, yeah. Somebody actually told me that once. They can't put it on the internet if it's not true. Oh, that's true. Anyway. So supposedly, Mr. Rogers used to wear that long sleeve sweater because he was covered in tattoos from his service in the military That's as right. a sniper. He was a deadly Marine Corps sniper in Vietnam. Yeah, actually, he was not in the service That's at all. That's not true at all. Yeah, and he didn't have any tattoos. And I, you know what's funny? You mentioned that. I saw somebody posted that uh, <laughs> on a social media site not too long ago. Mm-hmm. And they, they had actually all their facts were wrong. They were talking about <laughs> Mr. Rogers was a, was a sniper. They talked about... Captain Kangaroo received the Medal of Honor yeah. and Iwo Jima, which he, no. did, he was in the Marine Corps Reserve, but it was after World War II was over. I think Lee Marvin was actually at Lee Iwo Marvin Jima, was, Iwo Jima. Uh, it was actually at uh, uh, Guadalcanal, I believe, oh. is where he received his award. But um, yeah, so it, it, I, had to, I had to correct them, and they weren't happy. Well, about the it. thing about that is, and this just drives me insane. And you know, we're we're students of history, and we're, we're, we do this program, and you know, this is part of our lives, so we can't stand inaccuracies mm. especially you know but if you but like you just said if you point out that something's wrong you're the bad guy all of a sudden right you you can't do that like why can't you just let the why story can't you just be let it go <laughs> it's a good story i'm like it's not real just like the george washington quotes that go around if i see one more freaking person post george washington said this about uh the second amendment he first of all 99.9 percent of the stuff that you see online about george washington is wrong he didn't say those things. And you were there, you know. I would know. I was there. You were his uh you were his uh ca- I, cabin boy. I was his manservant. You were his, his body servant. His chamber pot cleaner. Chamber maid. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this is an exciting part of the show because Yay. um I don't know if many of you remember, but going back several, several episodes ago, we had a uh what actually was I think it was our first sponsor of the program. Yep. And it was uh a business called The Door Store. The Door Store. And the proprietor of The Door Store was a gentleman by the name of Frank. Who ran the business. He ran the business with his brother's Joe and Stan. And, you know... Very popular. It was. Very, very popular business. Uh, I get asked about it all the time. People enjoyed the commercial. They enjoyed the jingle. Mm-hmm. It gets stuck in your head for a long Unfortunately, time. Unfortunately, he came on a couple of weeks later, and he had a, uh, a tragedy yeah. at The Door Store. Because, um, you know, it's made com- uh, comprised entirely of wood. Yeah. And it caught on fire, and it burned to the ground. Well, you know what happened? 
Yeah. Is uh, he was adamant that he didn't want any paint on the doors. That's right. Somebody put paint on the doors, and then well, lo and behold, the place burnt down. That's right. So it wasn't Frank's fault. It was probably Joe or Stan. That's right. So we extended to Frank once he recovered from all of that that he would be if he if he went on a new endeavor and and you know a new business or if he reinvented or reestablished the door store he could come back in and we'd do a new commercial for him. So yeah. that's where we're at today. Frank is excited. We're excited that uh, Frank is back in action. Yeah. And uh, he has a new endeavor, a new business that he wants to promote. So we're gonna we're gonna do his commercial here in a minute, and uh, yeah, so we're excited to hear it. Yeah, hope hope you enjoy. There we go. Welcome to the main stage, Frank. Are you in the mood to see beautiful dances, enjoy an adult beverage, and wrap your lips around a delicious frankfurter? Then come on down to Frank's Gangs and Frank's Gentleman's Club and Hot Dog Emporium. We have all manner of dances for your viewing pleasure. Big ones, skinny, dark, not so dark, oriental, midgets, little peoples. We even got one with a bullet hole in her stomach that you can put your finger in for $5. We also have delicious hot dogs available for purchase, with any topping you can imagine or that we could find lying around. If you enjoy your meats in tubular form, you'll love every inch of our wieners. Mention this ad and you receive a small fry and a lap dance from Small Fry, our diminutive lead dancer. Visit us on the web at www.frankskanksandfranks.org. This commercial is solely intended for entertainment purposes only. All right, there it was. You know, it's good to hear his voice again. It is, it is. So, uh, yeah, what a nice was, man. What a nice guy. You know, it's good that he's out there. He's spreading his wings. He's uh, he's, New diverse, he's diversifying his life. Completely different from the last business. Completely different. So I hope he has some success with that. Yeah. And uh, I can't yeah. see what will go wrong with any of that. No, not at all. Anyway, so we're gonna jump right back in. We're gonna get back into, and this is gonna be good because I'm gonna play some uh, some some clips of this stuff, so you can all oh, so hear it's it. An interesting part of the yeah, show. Yeah. So there'll be a little. You'll play a clip. We'll uh, we'll have a little discussion about it. So, that sounds good. Um. So just backing up a second. So my my interest in music goes back to obviously my childhood, but. When I really started taking more of an active role was, uh, you know, maybe late elementary school, early junior high. Uh, I became good friends with a gentleman uh, who will rename, main, remain, excuse me, remain nameless today. But he got me initially into the Beatles oh, yeah. and then some other different types of music. Which was odd for a, a, a elementary school student That's right. to be into the Beatles. Especially, you know, years after the Beatles' <laughs> right. heyday, really. Right. You know what I mean? So it got me looking into secret messages and secret things in, on album covers um, and in their songs and stuff. And so we're not going to go into specifically. Well, let me ask you this sure. before you get into it. So, so were the Beatles considered to be one of the first bands that would, would have gotten into that sort of thing? Imagery on their album covers? and I, I would agree, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, because they came out at that time uh, where, you know, hallucinogens started becoming more and more uh you know, widely used in music and stuff like that, which influenced them in different ways. And, you know, you're you're the Beatles expert of the two of us, but isn't it true too that they used a lot of revolutionary techniques in the studio? That's right. Uh, to uh, with their music, as far as just sa- using different sounds and, and and ways of of recording music and things like that. Right. And the the beauty of that was is that they had the ability to do that at the time because of the fact that they were so popular. And they were so financially successful, mm-hmm. so they could at, they got to a point where they didn't have to worry about going out on tour, and they could make 
the albums that they wanted to make. They could have farted onto an album for an hour and a half and somebody would have bought it. Exactly. And in addition to that, they had a, the, one of the greatest producers of all time, music producers, George, Sir George Martin, who happened to be, you know, it, it was like a, a confluence of, of certain events. It was like the perfect storm of musical talent and musical production and all that stuff. So he kind of let them and guided them along the way as well. Mm-hmm. But going back to something we talked about uh, on an earlier program, is that there was always that theory that the Paul is dead theory. And I'm not going to get too much into yeah. it, but there was the idea that Paul had died in a car crash back in the 60s. The Great Beatles and death the, hoax. Exactly. And they were trying to cover it up, but they were leaving clues to their fans and all their music and stuff. Actually, we we had a, a we replayed an episode from the uh, from years ago that, of an interview that we did with Mr. R. Gary Patterson, who was a uh, rock and roll historian. <clears throat> right. A very, very nice man, very knowledgeable, and unfortunately had passed away uh, fairly recently. Right. But he was an expert on all this. Yeah. So, one of the first things that you hear when you look this stuff up is, you know, the Beatles' famous uh, song, Strawberry Fields Forever. Strawberry which, Fields. Which is a John Lennon song. And it's a great song. You know, it's it's a timeless classic, to say the least. Well, there's a part at the end where the music gets all weird, mm. and it kind of starts making some strange noises. And then very faintly, if you listen, you can hear a voice come in. And the um, the conspiracy all those years ago was, it was a voice saying, I buried Paul. So it would be a clue that they that Paul was dead. Exactly. Got it. Exactly. And so when I was a kid, when I first heard that in my room by myself, <laughs> and I played creepy. it, it scared the crap out of me. <laughs> and I didn't want to listen to it I again. I can imagine. It is, it is creepy when you hear it. It is creepy. Um, and then years later, as I did more research and, and interviews with John Lennon, he supposedly did not say that at all. He said cranberry sauce. What? Which makes sense. Why? It just was a maybe. Maybe they were just playing Did that with, on purpose. Exactly, they were playing with the fans, or they were just trying to throw that in there to screw people up. Or maybe it was just something he decided to do, and it came out sounding like that, mm-hmm. um, along with the Beatles' death, other death clues. So, what I'm going to do is I'm going to play it for you a few different ways, and this okay. is the this is the actual album uh, version of this. Ooh. So we're going to play the uh, the 33 RPM version, which is the big record. Okay, and we're going to play it at normal speed. And we'll see what what it sounds like. Okay. Then I'm going to play a, the large 33 record at 45 speed, which would speed the record up. It makes it sound faster. And then you tell me what you hear then. Okay. All right. Good. All right. I'm going to play it here in just a second. So that was the first one. That was normal speed. You could catch it right at the very end there. Yeah. This is sped up. Right. Okay. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to play the 45 version. Okay. At normal speed, and then I'm going to slow it down. All right. Yep. All right. Here we go. Oh, so you could hear something there. Yeah. All right. So this is slowed down. What, what did you hear there? I hear I buried Paul. But, oh, you but, do. But but probably because you told me that's what he said. Right. So so if I was hearing that for the first time with no reference, I wouldn't know what the hell. Okay. He was so that so going forward, the next songs that I'm gonna play, I'm not gonna tell you what they say first. Oh God. I'll just play them and then when then we'll decipher it. Okay. Okay. That sounds good. All, All right. right. What did you hear with that one? So I always heard I always heard 
I buried Paul. Yeah. But then the more I thought about it and the more I started delving into like my own little home recording studio and I could isolate the sound better. Right. It sounded to me like he said cranberry sauce. Cranberry sauce. And if you listen to the sped up version, and I can play that again here no, for you. No, I, I believe you. Yeah, no, it says it. It actually said, it, to me, it sounds like he says cranberry sauce. So, hmm. I don't know. It's really up for interpretation. It's one of those things that we'll never actually know. No. Okay. Well, what did he, was he asked specifically? He was, and he it? said cranberry sauce. That's oh, what he said. Oh, no, you said that. Okay, but, yeah. but did he say why he said that? No, nah, I, don't, I don't know if he elaborated too much on it. But anyway, so the, one more Beatles song, and okay. it's not, uh, this one is more along the backward masking satanic uh, ah. front, if See, you will. you don't really hear Beatles and satanic too much uh, mixed, except for, um, there was speculation, I think we even discussed it on this program before with the Manson family and how... Mm. He was supposedly getting messages from the Beatles from the White Album, and I actually read something, and I'm not sure if you you probably would know because you're a Beatles guy, but supposedly the White Album is is written in such a way, uh, in, in magical format. Mm. So like it's the words are like a spell supposedly, oh. and, and the the whole Beatles White Album is a magic. spell. Well, it is a magic spell if you're hitting the LSD really hard when you're yeah. listening to it. Yeah. So here's another. Here is from the White Album, and this is uh, Revolution Number Nine, mm-hmm. and this is a, just a portion of this, where the, where the guy says uh, Number Nine over and over again. Okay. And then when you play that backwards, it says something, but I'm not going to tell you what it says. Okay. I'm going to let you listen to All it. Right. I don't All think right? I've ever heard this. Before. All right, hold on. Number nine, number nine, number nine, number nine. So that's forward, obviously. Number nine, number nine. Number I nine. like the number nine at D'Angelo. So this is coming backwards. Mm. Listen. Yeah. What do you think that says? Um, I confess that I've heard this. I've heard what this supposedly says before. Yeah. I don't hear what they say it is, though. Okay. I hear like... I hear gibberish. All right, so let me... This is not the uh, so. There's other portions of this song that have a, a satanic twist to it, but I'm not going to play that part. We're just going to do this part right now. Okay. And uh, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to say supposedly what it says. I'm going to tell you. It supposedly says, "Turn me on, dead man." What does that, what does that even mean? Turn me on, dead man. What does Turn that me mean? On, dead man. What does that mean? Turn me on, dead man. What does that mean? I don't know. I Why would that it? be interesting? Hold on, I'm going to play it again. Ugh. Turn me on, dead man. 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 Hear it. No, I hear what you're saying. I don't. I don't think that's what it's saying. You don't think it's backwards gibberish? No, no. What does "Turn Me On, Dead Man" have anything to do with anything? It's creepy. No, it's creepy because you're listening to it backwards. Can you imagine sitting in your room smoking a joint? <laughs> well, you're paranoid anyway. <laughs> you're smoking Gorilla Panic. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't. You don't. You don't hear any of that. In no, there. I don't. All right. So you know there was a there's a funny bit. There's, I'm going to give props to a guy named Steve Terberry. He's oh. a uh, he's a he's a he has a YouTube channel. The guy is a guitar virtuoso. Mm-hmm. He like the metal riffs that he plays and the lead guitar and, and the, is amazing. You look at the guy; he kind of looks like a dork. Okay. No, no offense, Steve. Your glasses are kind of goofy, but he's funny as hell and he plays some crazy guitar. Okay. But one of his videos, he 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 did some of these songs and he played them backwards. Okay. And so he did an experiment where he um, he recorded himself saying something. And then played it backwards to see what it would sound like. And just, just like that, it was gibberish. Mm-hmm. So then he went ahead and recorded himself doing gibberish. And then played it backwards <laughs> to see if he could get coherent words out of it. And uh, he didn't get it. You know what all this stuff reminds me of, man? What's that? 
It reminds me of EVPs, electronic voice phenomenon, when it when it comes to uh, paranormal investigations. Sure. Which you know we've got we've had a lot of experience in that area, and we've we've heard uh, live recordings, and we've been there for these recordings, and we've heard. On I think the vast majority of EVPs is complete nonsense. I think that people hear what they want to hear. I think that it could be completely nonsensical. And the latest movement, and I'm not going to get into it too much. I know that this this show wasn't about that, but they've got this stupid thing now. Supposedly, it's like a voice box or a ghost box yeah. or something, and it scans radio waves looking for messages that pertain to the questions you just asked the supposed spirit. Mm. So basically, what you do is you turn this stupid scanner thingy on, and then you ask a question of supposedly a ghost that's supposedly there, lots of supposedly's in there, and that you'll get an answer. You get a bunch of nonsense. Yeah. You get a bunch of gibberish words here and there, and people are like, oh! Proof. So I would agree with you on the, the – I don't know anything about the voice box too much, but I can tell you with the EVPs, just having firsthand experience with them, uh, is that, yes, yeah, some of them are gibberish. Some of them are subject to interpretation. Sure. But some of them are very clear I'm and very with you. specific I'm to with you what, they, they're, yeah. what they're saying. There are, some, there are some EVPs that I've heard that are completely uh, believable and convincing because I know that no one did it because I was there. Correct. So I know that no one faked it. That you know, anyway, but we can talk about that another time. All right, fast forward to the seventies. Led Zeppelin, one of the greatest uh, hard Led rock bands of all time. Zeppelin. Very a, a very um, mystical spiritual band. Yes, um, they were. You know, we talked earlier about in another show about how they uh, they were packed with the devil. Uh, well, they they um, uh, Aleister Crowley. They had a fascination with him. Well, Jimmy Page did. Right, but yeah, suppose the one of the shows that we did previously, we did uh, that, that Led Zeppelin did a uh, Led Zeppelin made a pact with the devil. Well, mm. three of the members did. To achieve notoriety and fame and success, and uh, nothing but tragedy had befallen them after, with the exception of John Paul Jones, the bassist, who is still alive and kicking, mm. running around. And the only reason he never had tragedy befall him was because he didn't, he wasn't there for that magical ceremony. That's right. So, um, you know, the song "Stairway to Heaven" has a lot of supposed hitting meanings in it, with it, with the words. The, the lyrics as they're as they're written most and as requested song in radio history that's is, right is, remember remember the uh, how awkward that song was dancing at the school dances in well, junior high it's not really a song that because it it starts off very slow it gets right. very fast and gets very slow again that's right so and you, it goes on forever it goes what is it like nine minutes it kind of winds on down the road yeah it goes on for a long time but anyway so there's a lot of imagery on the album cover uh, now itself. this will be on Led Zeppelin four correct yeah and so supposedly you know how it was like a double uh, you open the album and it like opens into a, a yes. You know, a thing, and it has the little guy standing on the mountain with the, the little hermit. lantern. Yes. If you put a mirror up to that, supposedly you can get a, a Satan's head out of the uh, out of the mountain. Yeah, and you know what that that and it's funny that you mentioned it because if you look into the and I actually read a book called Hammer of the Gods and was about Led Zeppelin and their tours and anyway it gets into a little bit of, of how this all started mm -hmm. and it all started with Jimmy Page who got in, as you said before that he was into the occult he bought. Uh, Alistair Crowley's house. Yep, and uh, got into you know spells and all this junk. It started putting all this in the album. As a matter of fact, Led Zeppelin Four does not have any band name on it. It doesn't have, um, it doesn't have any indication of that it's from Led Zeppelin. Is and each one of the band members had a magical symbol instead mm. of their name on right. it. And if you look at if you look at it, supposedly each one of the symbols has a magical origin, um, with the exception of uh, Jimmy Page's, which he had the stolen from an old uh, magic book. Anyway, make a long story short, uh, I think it was John Paul Jones who said, I just picked it randomly out of a book. I have no idea what it meant. Right. And it's funny that you mentioned that because there was the, uh, the Zoso, the Zoso symbol, yeah. yep. which uh, you can look that up if you want. And that freaked me out because this was right around the time we were going to school, <laughs> and I saw the symbol. Yeah. And then I'm in church, and there were all these elaborate paintings. Yeah. 
and it was up on the ceiling of the church. Yeah. That same symbol. I don't know if you remember that. I, I don't remember that specifically. It was there. Yeah, it's there because hmm. it's like an old. Uh, it's something. <clears throat> it's something. Spiritual symbol of some anyway. kind. But anyway, so we're gonna go into Stairway to Heaven, which which. It bears mentioning. Yes. So the song itself is 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 full of symbolism. If you listen to it normally, it's sure. got you know it's got uh, it's an allegory. It's it's uh, you know it's about a, a person's journey through life and and what happens after they die and all sorts of stuff. And and if you listen to the lyrics, you know you could take that to mean what you what you wish. But th- there's symbolism in it already. Right. So I'm gonna play uh, the clip in question. I'm gonna play like I did before. I'm gonna play it forwards. Okay. Then we're going to play it backwards. You tell me what you think it says, and then I'll read what it says. All right. All right? Let's do it. All right, let's go. All right, so that's the, uh, that's the lyrics in question. Here it comes, backwards. So now it's going to play even slower now. Okay. You getting this? Yeah. All right, did you get that? Yeah. So I clearly hear. Yes. I hear the word Satan okay. a couple of times. Okay. And I heard six six six. Oh, you did. But all right, everything else is complete nonsense. Do you want me to read it to you? Sure. Let me read it to you to put the put the, put the suggestion in so your this head. Is supposedly what it just said. And then I'm gonna play it again. Okay. Oh, it says. Okay. So here's to my sweet Satan, mm-hmm. the one whose little path would make me sad, whose power is Satan. He'll give you six six six. There was a little tool shed. Where he made us suffer, ah. sad Satan. Why would Satan make you suffer in a tool shed? Why not? Hold on, I'm gonna play it for you again so you can you can decipher it. Let's... So here's to my sweet Satan. The one whose little path would make me sad, whose power is Satan. He'll give you 666. There was a little tool shed where he made us suffer sad Satan. Does that make, does it sound like that now that I say it? No. It doesn't? It, no. I hear, like I said, I heard Satan a couple times. I heard 666. Okay. That's all I got out what, of that. What do you make of all this? I think it's nonsense. I think it's complete nonsense. I think it's, if anything, it's a coincidence. How would anybody find that though? Like, that's how what I'm saying. Somebody must have there. sat there and listened to every, listened to it in slow mo and, and like, I think if you if you listen to Perry Como's greatest hits backwards, you'd make out certain so- sounds oh. that sound like you know you could make it sound like whatever. It could be a recipe for a chili. Who knows? Okay. So the next band, the next song, <laughs> one of the most satanic, most evil bands that you could ever imagine. Hanson. Close. The Eagles. 
Oh, the Eagles, yes. yes. When I think of death metal, I think of the Eagles. Yes, so their famous song, Hotel California, yes. is another one, supposedly, that the lyrics themselves are filled with uh, well, messages. It's funny that you mentioned this song, because uh, my wife, uh, bless her soul, well, she's not dead, she's with us. Oh, my God. But anyway, yes. she, is, uh, she, she grew up um, in a very religious family, mm-hmm. and that song in particular was banned uh, from her home. Because they said it was satanic in, really? na- in nature, yes. Oh. Which I don't particularly get, but anyway. Well, I think, yeah, I mean, uh, that was that was the rumor back in the day that the whole that the song itself had satanic. Uh, well, just because something discusses somebody being in hell or, or like, I, I don't, that doesn't necessarily make it satanic, does it? I don't know. It's just discussing it. All right, so I'm gonna uh, once again, I'm gonna play the the all main right. part of the song that you know, okay. that you could all probably sing along to, mm-hmm. and then I'm gonna reverse it for you, and you tell me what you think, okay? Right. Oh, see, you said heaven and hell right there. Oh, that's satanic. That's it. All right, here comes the uh, the first uh, portion of the reverse part of it. Oh, this was good. This is a good one. Hold on. I'm gonna... What the hell was <laughs> that? I'm going to play it for you again here in just a second. Hold on. Here it comes. You ready? Yep. <laughs> Wait till I read this one. All right. I clearly heard yes. that it Did you said, hear any words? And be honest. Meatballs is delicious. No, I thought I heard something say delicious. <laughs> you, it did say delicious. Oh, well, that's what I heard. All right, so here's what it says. I have not heard this before. Here's what it says, supposedly. Yeah, yeah Satan had him. Oh, he organized his own religion. Yeah, when he knows he shouldn't. At night, it was delicious. <laughs> oh, yeah, he puts it in a vat. He mixes it for his sound booth, and he gives it away. He gives He gives away. <laughs> All right. Let me ask you a question. What? If someone were to be so inclined to include satanic messages yes. in their music, yes. wouldn't they be wouldn't they just tell you like worship Satan and go don't go to church? No, this is bad. way more fun. No, why would you add stuff about sound booths and uh Well like, they're in the, they're in the music business. That makes no sense. Hold on, I'm gonna play it for you again. I'm gonna read oh it along, all right? God. Hold on. Here we go. Yeah, Satan had him. Oh, he organized his own religion. Yeah, when he knows he shouldn't. That night it was delicious. Oh, yeah, he puts it in a vat. He makes it in his sound booth. He gives away. What do you think? No, I think that's hogwash. Really? Like, that's complete hogwash. You know, I, I think I agree with that 100%. I think that that has nothing to do with anything. You don't? People are grasping at straws. So, you know what I didn't? Underst- what I don't understand, and maybe I should re- research it a little more. Yes. How would you reverse? I don't know a, a thing. Would, now is it? You have it to say wor- certain it- words. Okay. So is it the real words reversed, yeah. or is it them going back and doing something no, in like, reverse? Well, 
if I was to do it, I would have to assume that you'd have to say certain words that when you play it backwards, say something else. Mm. So like you, you would construct your lyrics yes. to, to do that. You can't, there's no other way to do it. Mm. You can't just add it in there. I don't know. I don't know. This whole thing is ridiculous. Could you do it on a CD, you think? <laughs> no. I don't know. All I know is that after listening to this guy's presentation back in the day, yeah. uh, I was convinced that so, that the, the Satan was everywhere, that he was in the music, and and, and I was afraid. Um, and this is, right, this is right around the time, too. Right in high school, I started listening to Metallica yes. and Megadeth and yes. stuff like that. And I think part of the reason I started listening to those is because it was rebellious, and I knew that no one that the parents didn't like it and everything like that. That's why I started listening to well, it. Well, I'm I'm glad you mentioned that because I I much along the same lines as what you just said. But I was trying to I was paranoid too. I was I saw, <laughs> I saw Satan in everything Everywhere. at that point. Yes. Right? I looked yes. in my Cheerios and I saw Satan. <laughs> so. What I try to do to counteract that, and I'm, re- I'm revealing this to the world uh, now, uh-oh. I per- perpetuated and perpetrated a fraud upon the kids of St. <laughs> Joseph's Catholic School uh-oh. What'd you do? in sixth grade. I created a, uh, a Christian metal band. <laughs> I formulated it in my mind. Okay. And I created this whole um, history and biography and uh, discography. This is the first time I've heard of this. Of this band created the name and everything and i was going around telling people this was the greatest christian band of all time oh. and they were a rock and roll band and, uh, and this was before the internet so nobody could easily tell that's right and the, you know what the band's name was no. i invented it i don't even know where it came from <laughs> i still remember what is it it was called gladiton what is it gladiton gladiton yes what the hell does that mean i don't know it sounds like a kind of saran wrap and i created i its wrapped own, it in gladiton i created its own <laughs> its own symbols and I, and I i created a list of their tracks of their songs well no I, you know there were christian metal bands at the time it was striper striper was one petra yeah there's, there's a few more yeah they weren't any good though. no striper <laughs> had one hit and i remember that honestly was the name of the song okay can you sing it honestly <laughs> Something, something that's along those pretty lines. satanic, actually. Anyway, well, that's interesting that you came up with that, uh, that, uh, that to counteract the forces of evil. That's right. Did anyone ask? Did you like make your own album covers and stuff? Um, I was I was attempting to, but at the time, you know, that was before Photoshop or anything like that. So <laughs> I only had one of those Kodak disc cameras. Oh yes, and uh, I, it just wasn't working out for me. But that's too bad. Anyway, if you want to hear a movie, uh, uh, if you ever want to watch a movie uh, uh, about music that has uh, mag- magical properties, and just, just stop off the top of my head. There was a movie came out recently uh, from Rob Zombie called The Lords of Salem. Mm. Horrible. Horrible piece of psychotropic crap. Oh. It's like somebody was on drugs and said, let's make a Satan movie. Mm. And they did. Uh, and it was horrible. Wasn't so don't, good, huh? No. No. Okay. And I, you know what? Don't, I changed my mind. Don't watch it. All right. So I have two more quick ones. Okay. Two more quick um, secret messages and right. songs. All right. Yeah, let's do it. So the, first, uh, the next one is a, ba- a band uh, called Styx. Oh, Sticks, yes. And Sticks had played a big role in the Joe Vieira um, yes, they did. presentation. Yes, they did. And why did they? Do you remember? Uh, well, they weren't considered... Uh, Sticks was not like a heavy band. They weren't. They were more like a pop band, right? Well, I mean, they yeah, I mean, it wasn't like a heavy metal act. No. It was kind of like, more like the Eagles kind of deal. Well, like, Sticks, Sticks did uh, uh, Come Sail Away. They did. And that's that was their that's their signature song. They did. But the, the, the their band name Sticks itself. Oh, well, the river Sticks. Exactly. Yes, I'm familiar with the, goes with the through, mythology. Yes. It uh, goes through Hades, which yes, is hell. The river, and you have to pay the ferryman uh, uh, to get to take you across. That's all, right. All that stuff. That's right. So that was Joe Vieira's first clue right there was that it was called Sticks. Okay. So he started going off on a tangent about how satanic they were. Yeah, because you know what? No one has ever said. Hey, we're out here in the sticks, talking about like in the middle of nowhere. Yep. Anyway, so this is a quick one, but anyway, so they're, from their their hit 
hit song Snowblind. Snowblind. That's right. So we're gonna we're gonna play that clip for you here just now, and then you can decipher it. This is a short one. Okay. Life's not pretty, even though I try so hard to it's actually a cool song. You hear it? Listen. I heard Satan. Yeah. I hear that. He goes, Satan moves through our voices. No, it didn't say that. Yeah, it did say that. No. It did. No. It said Satan. Satan moves through our voices. (laughs) Keep that in your mind. Okay. And I'll play it again. Satan moves through our voices. Got it? He didn't say voices. Says, Satan right, right, right. moves through our voices. Just like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a stretch, man. That's a stretch? Yeah, I don't I don't believe that one. All right. Well, that's that's that concludes the satanic ones. I have oh. one more that I'm going to play for you. <laughs> okay. This is more of a modern uh, hit, but let's let's recap yeah. the the uh the satanic uh, thoughts on this. Okay. Good. What do you mean recap them? Well, you know, I mean your thoughts on the whole thing. <laughs> My thoughts are I think that when this initially started, I think that bands probably started experimenting with maybe putting weird sounds to to make people think to purchase their. You know, this was back before the internet. Sure. So if you wanted to listen to, uh, if you wanted to listen to a band's album to figure out if they were backwards message, you'd have to purchase it. Right. So that would so that you know that would be a way of increasing your sales. Now you could go go on YouTube or whatever and and listen to people's stuff. It's not the same thing. Uh, as far as if they actually put satanic. I think no. I don't think that that was an actual thing. I think they probably do now. Yeah. With, you know, with the advent of, of of all the technology and stuff, they probably do. Maybe somebody does. I don't know. But I don't think it was back in the day. There's actually a uh, so Weird Al Yankovic had a um, had a fun time with. I this. love Weird Al, man. So he did a song where Weird he Al's actually awesome. did the thing where he did gibberish forwards, <laughs> and then when you reversed it, it said Satan eats cheese whiz or something like that. <laughs> But anyway, we know how Weird Al's. You know, Weird Al. Actually, I really enjoyed Weird Al. I had all of his tapes. I was, you know, back in the cassette tape days, had all of his tapes, and I, uh, I follow him on uh, on Twitter, mm. and I noticed that recently he announced a world tour. Oh, and I was actually thinking about potentially purchasing tickets if he came this way. Until I figured out that he was playing all original crap from like that he just wrote. It has nothing. They're not parodies. He's actually quite the musician. No, he is. He he plays he plays um, you know, accordion very famously and stuff like that, but it, it, it's all like the songs he was playing on this tour are not the the parody mm. songs of the past. All right, so the last hidden message of the day is goes back to the the seminal classic Did you say seminal? Ni- 1999 uh timeless classic uh Hit Me Baby One More Time. By oh Britney God. Spears. I had the biggest crush on Britney Spears in and, 1999. And yeah, so that that was back then. And so the video oh itself is very, and the song itself is very, is very um, has sexual undertones. Of course it does. Um, so there's a very famous um, reversed portion of the song oh. that she says something very naughty. So I want to hear it. I'm going to play it for you here. I'm going to oh. get excited here. All right, hold on. hold on a second. You all know this part. Oh, I love this part. All right, the reverse part's coming up here. Just a second. Here we go. (laughs) 
All right, did you catch it? No. You didn't catch it? <laughs> I you did want, not. I'll, I'll play it again, and then you tell uh, see if you can catch it that time, and then and then I'll tell All you right. what it says. <laughs> so this first part isn't anything. It's at the end. Did you catch it right at the end? I sleep by myself with stuffed animals. No, it says sleep with me. I'm I not heard too sleep. Y- it says sleep with me. I'm not too young. Get out of here. I swear. Listen to it again. Hold on. I heard sleep. You hear it? <laughs> now that you said that, I can kind of make that up yeah, a little bit. There it is. So, yeah, so that, that was very uh, sexual in nature. I don't think Britney Spears in 1999 needed to add subliminal messages to encourage people to have want to have sex with her. I think that was probably something that most most men wanted to do anyway. Really? Yeah. Like, but how old were you then, though? Were you? I was a young man. I was still uh, how a uh, young man. I was, you know. And how old was she at the time? She was an adult. She was. Yes. I think she was only a teenager. Oh, stop it! In two thousand? Yeah. No. No, ninety nine. I think she was like no, she was like fourteen. No, she was not. She wasn't. No, she was an adult. I'll have to do a little research on that. I think we're gonna find that. Don't out. you think we're gonna have to do some research? I on think that? we're gonna have to look at some pictures. All right. So you, 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 it's okay, but it's just thoughts, right? It's just thoughts. No actions. What the hell is that? What was that? I just scared me. I just dropped my headphones. Oh, it was Satan coming through the wires. He's up, uh, upset with what we're doing. All right. So let, let's wrap this one up. Anyway, well, it was a good program. We talked about some uh, some supposed messages in music, things of that sort. Yeah, it was a little different. It was you fun. Know, if we if we were famous musicians, sure, sure. would we include back, backwards messages? I, I would. I would include, um, sure. I would include secret messages. Oh, I would just, encourage people to send me money. Just real quick, uh, kind of along the same line. So I'm a big fan, a Tool fan, right? Oh, yes. So We know you like the Tool. That's right. So they're, uh, what was it, 1993 uh, classic album, Sober. Sober. If you take the CD and you... Uh, it's take, got some sort of red thing on yeah, the Yeah, but if you, t- if you took, like, I took it apart when I was a kid. I took the plastic, the CD parts apart, like the inside yeah. part, and there was like a secret picture of a guy in there, <laughs> and uh, or of, of a pig on forks, and it was like some other weird Well, pictures. you know, Tool, but, well, this is a subject for another day, maybe, but Tool is one of those bands, and it's become popular now, but hidden tracks on their album so you have to listen to the whole thing and mm-hmm. then listen for a few minutes of dead air and then yeah. another song another hidden track would come on stuff like that that was how i found uh so i was a big stained fan back in the, the late oh, 90s stained, early yes. 2000s mm-hmm. and i was listening to their album dysfunction from start to finish mm-hmm. the cd and i let it let the last track finish and i didn't realize it was still playing and same thing there was like 20 minutes of dead air and then all of a sudden a song came on hmm. a hidden song that was excess baggage Oh yeah, that was the very first time I heard that the acoustic version That's of that. Good song. So that was uh, that was cool. But anyway, interesting. So wrapping it up, that was a good uh, musical uh, satanic uh, s- show. Yeah, we got a, we got a new sponsor. We got a new sponsor, well, a, a new old sponsor. Yeah, Frank Frank's back and better than ever. Yep. And uh, can't yeah. wait to can't wait to uh, patronize his new business. We're looking for some special guests too coming up in the oh, next yeah. few weeks. Yep, we got a, we got a, a couple of requests in. If you want to get in touch with us, send us an email. Please, please send us an email. We would love to hear from and you. And if we said anything wrong, correct us. Yeah, because I'm sure we did. You can get a hold of us at the Eon Project at yahoo.com. That's T H E E O N Project at yahoo.com. Also on Twitter, very active on. Well, haven't been active on Twitter lately. But if mm. you want to reach out to us on Twitter, get get a hold of us. Uh, tell a friend about the show. We 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 got some uh, some new listeners. Uh, up in the North Shore, Massachusetts, north of Boston, mm. Revere. What's up, Revere? Yo. Yo, Revere Beach. I'm wearing my wingtips down to the beach. Oh. <laughs> anyway. All right. Once again, just remember, until next time, the truth exists. Believe it. Believe it.